The Louisville Cardinal football team concludes their regular season this Saturday as they host the Kentucky Wildcats in the annual Governor's Cup. That matchup, 7.30 kickoff at Cardinal Stadium. We're going to begin to dive into the preview of that matchup along with discussing the 73-67 win over Detroit Mercy for the Louisville basketball team on Saturday. All that and more on this episode of the Locked On Louisville podcast. Stay tuned. You are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back in to another episode of the Locked On Louisville Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dalton Pence. Today's episode is brought to you by Sonos, which is the proud sponsor of ESPN College Football. You can find out more at Sonos.com. A lot on the docket for this Monday edition of the show. We're going to begin to dive into the preview of Louisville, Kentucky, which will happen this Saturday. I'm going to first analyze and explain why it's hard to gauge how good this Kentucky team actually is. And then we'll transition transition over into the basketball side of things. A rather unconvincing 73-67 win over Detroit Mercy on Saturday for the Cardinal basketball team. We're going to look into what areas of improvement need to be made as they head into a difficult Thanksgiving week schedule. And then finally, as always, we will end this episode with a weekly mailbag segment. Um, But before we get into the content of today's show, like I mentioned, for those who are not aware of who I am, my name is Dalton Pence. I am a credentialed media member for Cardinal Sports Zone, where I serve as both a football beat writer and a recruiting analyst um, I also do some P announcing work for the university in various sports. You can follow my Twitter at the handle in the graphic below. And you can follow the podcast Twitter page at LO underscore Louisville. So let's get right on into it. The Kentucky Wildcats entering this matchup 8-3 and three on the season. Started out 6-0, and had the makings of a team that could potentially sneak into the um, SEC championship game. Um, but unfortunately, they have the Georgia Bulldogs on that schedule, um, and then they ended up losing to Mississippi State and Tennessee after that. But uh, winners of their last two against Vanderbilt and New Mexico State. Um, it's very challenging to analyze how good this team is, number one, because they don't necessarily have any statistic statistical averages that jump off the page. But more importantly, the strength of schedule is where I, I draw some of my concerns. Now, i got to be honest, you know, this whole season – Um, I've had a very bad taste of 2019 in my mouth to where, yes, Louisville may have beaten teams that are overall better than Kentucky, but I think it's the fact that the Wildcats have matched up very well with the weaknesses that Louisville's had, you know, in the trenches. And that's why I've been kind of, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say, um, yeah, definitely hesitant and more so cautious to be overly optimistic about this game. I think that the Cardinals can win. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that this is a for sure loss um, by any stretch of the imagination. But um, it came out yesterday that the Cardinals are a two-point favorite in this game, which is very, very interesting if I do say so. Um, But let's jump right into the numbers of things. Uh, The Wildcats not necessarily doing anything um, statistically outlandish um 46th in the country 31.6 points per game you'll get the other side of the ball they're 38th in the country allowing 22 points per game um 
comparing them to what Louisville is doing, they are scoring less than the cards and doing a little bit better on the defensive end. The cards are outgaining the Cats um, per game this season. And um, in turn, the Cats haven't necessarily given up as many yards as the Cardinal defense. I think one thing that the the Kentucky defense really – um, makes its bread and butter is just the rushing defense, only allowing 115 and a half yards per contest to the opponents. When you talk to Kentucky fans, you kind of see um, the the go back and forth on Twitter. It's very evident that Kentucky's fan base and some of their media are not necessarily comfortable with the passing defense. The passing defense hasn't necessarily um, you know stepped up to bat and done well in, in recent weeks, but. I got to be honest. I think that it just it makes this such a hard team to really gauge. And I, I think Wake Forest was the other team this season to where I had this issue is because yeah, they're not necessarily doing anything that's going to make you go really wow. But I mean, they're respectable in a lot of categories. But it's the strength of schedule. It's it's the lack of playing very good opponents that um, really kind of does does in for Kentucky for me. And I get it. You know, they're an SEC team. The SEC is the best football conference yet again. That is not a surprise to anyone that watches this sport. But they're not necessarily playing those top SEC teams. I mean, it looked like the best win on their schedule was supposed to be Florida. And Florida looks like they could be firing Dan Mullen. Um, I think they actually may have. I I knew he sent out a tweet saying that – he was going to step down or something like that. He sent out a tweet saying, uh, thank you for you know, being, let me be the head coach of Florida, you know, so on and so forth. But the wins this season for Kentucky overall for starters, 40, I'm, I'm sorry, 67th um, in terms of strength of schedule out of 130. So right in you know the midway point, they have wins over Louisiana Monroe, New Mexico State, Chattanooga, and those are the um, the non-Power 5 teams. But when you look at what they've done in the SEC, they beat Missouri by 7, beat South Carolina by 6. They beat a Florida team by 7. Their biggest win comes against LSU. It was a 21-point victory on October 9th. Um, and then they beat Vanderbilt by 17. But the three losses on the year, 17-point loss to Georgia, um, you know, fourteen point loss to Mississippi State, three point loss to Tennessee, and that's where you know if you I watched this game against Georgia, and overall, I mean, I was impressed with what I saw from the front seven, and I was actually impressed, you know, with the Kentucky offense for the first time in quite some time. You know, Wondell Robinson is as good of a slot receiver as there are any in the country. You know, that rushing attack behind that very good offensive line that has multiple draft picks and Darian Kennard, Dari Rosenthal. You know, et cetera, you know, Chris Rodriguez, Cavassier Smoke. That is one of the best running back tandems in the country. Will Levis has proven to be serviceable in that role. Um, that's it's just it, it's difficult. I keep coming back to this whole, you know, it's difficult to gauge because, yes, you see that they have the talent. I mean, the talent's there. They've got NFL talent on the offense, they've got NFL talent in the trenches. You know, Jacques Jones, um, you know, DeAndre Square in the linebacking core, Yusuf Corker in the you know the secondary. I mean, they have playmakers all over the defense, and it seems like the Kentucky defense has struggled in in weeks past um, before the uh, Vanderbilt game. So that three game stretch between Georgia, um, Mississippi State, and Tennessee is the really one to focus on because Georgia is not necessarily you know known for being that good of an offensive team, although they have a lot of firepower. But Mississippi State really had their way with the Cats in the second half. And Tennessee dropped 45. So, 
you, I think that I'm feeling more and more confident that this isn't going to be a blowout win for Kentucky. But when you look at the schedule, their wins aren't necessarily all that convincing. I mean, South Carolina, Missouri, I mean, these are you know one-score games, uh, teams that are fighting for bowl eligibility. LSU is obviously having a very down season. They're fighting for bowl eligibility. They have to win their game against Texas A&M to be bowl eligible. And then the Florida Gators, who were number 10 when they came into Lexington, they are now five and six, and you know the program is at a little bit of a crossroads. So they're, you know, there isn't necessarily a good win per se on the schedule for Kentucky. An eight and three record. The uh, one thing that they do is they've handled business, and that that's one thing to um, focus on is the fact that they don't necessarily get beat by inferior competition often. They handle business, but it's more so when they play teams that are more evenly matched that it's hard to pull pull wins out. And I mean, when you, it's not really their fault. I mean, they had Florida and LSU on their schedule this season. Both teams are usually top fifteen teams, so we could be singing a different song if both of those teams live up to expectations. But it derives us of you know that possibility, and it makes the waters more muddy in terms of gauging how good this team is. Um, bottom line is they have the talent to play with almost anyone in the country, but at times I, I think they get in their own way. They turn the ball over a lot. They don't force a lot of turnovers. Um, that is something that hinders them. The passing defense has been an issue as of late, and um, it, it, it's just interesting to see which Kentucky offense will come to play, but we will definitely continue to preview this matchup, and we have some special guests um, set for the rest of the week to talk about this matchup as we move forward. Um, before uh, we get into the basketball portion of things, um, which, you know, the Cardinals 73-67 to win over Detroit Mercy, who was 0-3 coming into the matchup. If you were looking to, you know, get any um, relief in terms of the basketball team being able to turn things around, um, not necessarily something that you're going to be able to look for in that matchup. It was not... Um, not good in a lot of ways, but we will talk all about that. After we talk about our friends down at Prize Picks, if you are a college football fanatic or college sports fanatic in general, you need to hear about Prize Picks. I love it, and I know you will too. It's a leader in college sports daily fantasy, offering more college football props than anyone in the world while offering all of the star players of the Power Five as well as mid-major players you might not have ever heard of. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. All of those that deposit and use the promo code Locked On will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. So here's how it works. You pick about two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's literally just you versus the projected numbers, and it allows mixed sports entries. So you can take the over on Russell Wilson and combine that with the under on Damian Lillard in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. It's safe and offers fast withdrawal. So do yourself a favor. Check out prizepicks.com and use the promo code locked on or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. So as I mentioned, the Cardinals struggled to a 73 to 67 win over Detroit Mercy on Saturday. It was um, a tie ball game with around a minute to go. Um, thankfully, Noah Locke hit a off-balance um, fadeaway three-pointer to break the scoreless tie, and a couple of crucial defensive possessions led by Jared West um, ultimately put the cards at the free throw line free throw line to ice this game. But like I mentioned, if you were looking for any relief from the first three games in terms of some issues that you were seeing, it didn't come in this game, and that is a little bit 
um, you know, definitely a little bit discouraging when you look forward to the teams that they have to play this week you know, on Thanksgiving against Mississippi State. And if they win that game, then they'll play Maryland. And we'll have some um, you know, talk about that as the week goes on. But overall, I think some of the same issues that we saw from this game um, have, were, were some that we saw in the first three games. And I want to talk about improvements that we should look for through the first four games or, or in, in reaction to what we've seen in the first four games. Number one, in my opinion, I think that the cards definitely have to cut down on the turnovers. At times, it seems like Louisville plays with their food in, in, a, in a certain metaphor, uh, meaning that you know Louisville was up by 13 points. I believe it was 50 to 37. Uh, the nation's leading scorer, Antoine Davis, um, caught fire, so to speak, and Detroit Mercy was able to make a big-time comeback but ultimately, I think turnovers played a big key in that. 15 turnovers for the cards in this one. Uh, it seems like that that really causes some just some overall cohesiveness issues. Um, sorry, getting a little tongue twisted there. But it, you know, it, it doesn't allow your team to be able to put teams away. I mean, they only beat Navy by 17. They beat Southern by 12. And I feel like both of these teams it. You know, in a couple of weeks, Louisville might be beating both those teams by 30. And that's why I don't want to be overly too critical because it has only been four games. And you can't necessarily say this team is not going to make the tournament after the fourth game of the season, especially for a team that has not even played with their head coach yet. Chris Mack still suspended through the uh, trip to the Bahamas on Thanksgiving week. He will be back um, early December. So there is no Chris Mack. You know, Mike Pegues is, is being forced to, to go with things on the fly. Um, you work through some rotations, and the rotational issues um, have been prevalent as well. We've seen that, um, you know, bringing in a lot of newcomers, it was bound to, you know, have some chemistry issues early on this season, which is to be expected. Um, but it seems like there's been more issues than normal to, you know, pick and plug guys and try to – just overall fine rotations that work. I think that, uh, you know, there, there's a question in the next segment about the starting lineup. And, you know, I, you know to be completely transparent, I'm not necessarily sure what those rotations uh, w- would look like. I have a couple in mind that I would like to see happen. But at the end of the day, I mean, that that's, you know, going to be um, you know, a big key to watch for in this matchup against Mississippi State because they are um, a respectable opponent. And it'll be, you know, the first team that has probably, you know, uh, comparable talent to the cards. So overall, we mentioned you know the rotational aspect of things. Turnovers, another key aspect is the rebounding portion. Louisville did win this you know the rebounding battle, thirty-seven to thirty-three against Detroit Mercy, but Detroit Mercy had more offensive rebounds. Uh, they struggled to rebound the ball against Southern, against Furman, against Navy, against Detroit Mercy, and that is you know somewhat concerning considering that the Cardinals have had a distinct size advantage over you know, all of their opponents at most positions, and um, you know that has to be something that changes as you go into this next part of the, of the season because you're playing bigger guys. I mean, you have guys like or you have teams like Michigan State coming up, uh, uh, Kentucky, Mississippi State has Garrison Brooks, who for those who remember played in North Carolina, is a rebounding machine. They're going to have their hands full, and it's going to be a team effort. Um, you know, Mike Pegues made a comment in the postgame presser after the game against Detroit Mercy, which I was, I was, you know, I, I was not necessarily. You don't applaud it, but I respected it. You know, it was, it was accountability. He said, "You look easily." You know, we expect a lot out of Jalen Withers, 
And, you know, he need you know, I'm just paraphrasing here. You know, he needs to, you know, give his full effort on the defensive end and in the rebounding. And I think that, you know, it's good to have that accountability. And, um, you know, you would think that this is going to motivate Withers um, to hopefully, you know, getting, you know, his act together on the defensive glass because, you know, it, it's evident, you know, the cards don't have a true rim protector. So what they have to do is they have to crash the boards, um, you know, even harder and, you know, having a guy like Jalen Withers, who's one of the bigger guys on the court, not necessarily going as hard on the um, you know both ends of the glass. You know, it, it's showing. I mean, it, it's an effort thing, and I think that the the effort has um, not necessarily been in, in an issue on the defensive uh, end of things. Jared West has been very solid, and you know, there's been a lot of other guys. You know, Dre Davis, Malik Williams. I think that you know they're all the effort is there. I just think it, it's the composure and it's the execution on that side of the ball. You know, you just because you make a guy miss and it comes off the rim doesn't mean that you, you know, the play's over, you know, obviously analysis, but um, you know, you have to complete the defensive stop. I mean, you have to go get the ball. I like what I've been seeing from Jared West in terms of attacking the glass, Matt Cross as well. Also Sam Williamson, Dre Davis. I mean, there has been, you know, some good attention from the guards, but it's an overall team effort. So you have to be able to focus on the rebounding aspect of things. Another thing that, you know, Really calls for an issue, um, and I, I might be nitpicking here, but I feel like there's a lot of stretches in in these four, last four games in which the Cardinal offense has just gone absolutely cold. And I think that that's an indication of not having a true go-to score. I know that Noah Locke um, is being used as that guy, but, I mean, there's times where his shots aren't falling, uh, and I, I'm not necessarily – implying that we need to see more from Noah Locke because I think he's doing really well. I think his shot's going to continue to fall. But he needs someone to step up and fulfill that secondary scoring role. Um, I like what I've been seeing from L. Ellis. Um, you you thought that that was going to be Jalen Withers to start the season, but he hasn't necessarily you know, jumped off the page by any means, so to speak. I'm, I'm you know, continue looking for more. I see Withers you know, hitting some tough shots, hitting some you know, three balls, but you know, I'm glad to see Dre Davis have a big game against Detroit Mercy, but I, I find myself continually just wanting just a little bit more from the cards on the offensive end. We know that they've got the shooters. It's just a matter of having guys that can go out and get the buckets. And, um, you know, like I said, maybe I'm nitpicking, but I haven't necessarily been, uh, put it this way, there hasn't been a convincing win yet against, you know, four mid-major teams that aren't necessarily um, all that great. I mean, I know that Furman could um, make an in, you know get to the NCAA tournament and be a potential Cinderella story team, but the other three teams not necessarily quality opponents, and that's kind of concerning. But we'll talk about um, you know the Cardinals game against Mississippi State as this week goes on. Um, I want to talk about the um, or get into the weekly Monday mailbag segment where there are both football and basketball questions. Before we do that, I want to talk about our friends at Bet Online. Um, we're back and we're better than ever. A new web interface to start the basketball season, along with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action. Head over to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using the promo code Locked On. Excuse me. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for this year. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, and Bet Online is where the game starts. So, we are into the final segment of the show, the annual or the annual, the weekly 
Monday Mailbag segment is officially underway. We're going to continue a little bit of the conversation we just had about the Louisville basketball team. And the first question is, what is your ideal starting lineup for the Louisville basketball team? This is a it's a tough question because, like I mentioned, I don't know the answer. Uh, you know, there are guys that have played better in certain games, and then you know other guys played better in other games. But I think if you made me pick from what I've seen the first four games, I think that I would probably go. Um, you know, probably I don't know, man. I would give L. Ellis the nod to start here, or Mason Faulkner at the one. Uh, you know, no lock at the two. For right now, Dre Davis, because of what we saw against Detroit Mercy, but Matt Cross is right there as well. Um, you can probably go 1A, 1B, and then Withers and Malik Williams. Um, but overall, you know, this is where, you know, you have to kind of tinker with lineups. I, I'm not saying that Jared West is playing bad. You know, don't take it that this way that I'm, you know, bashing him. I think that L. Ellis brings a different dynamic to this team. Um, he's more of a, a guy that can get downhill and um, get into the teeth of the defense, so to speak. And I think that that's such a valuable skill. I think he's going to get better as the season progresses. And I think Faulkner has a bit of a, a higher offensive ceiling than Jared West does. Uh, you cannot replicate what West West does on the defensive end, although that um, you know Faulkner and Ellis are two serviceable options there. I think due to the offensive woes i i would probably go l ellis or faulkner in some of these situations just to get some more offense um, and get keep the ball flowing uh dre davis matt cross i mean we talked last week about how matt cross should be starting i, I mean i still think he should but the thing about it is, is dre davis had a very solid game against detroit mercy flirted with the double double was probably the most impressive card of the afternoon so for right now he gets a pass and i i have to you know, ponder a different lineup. I, I want to see – I'm not saying this lineup should start, but this is definitely a situational appeal. I'd like to see a lineup that would go, you know, L. Ellis, Noah Locke, uh, Dre Davis, Sam Williamson, and Jalen Withers. I know that Withers is viewed at as the four, but the lack of lateral quickness makes me to believe that his f- best days in the future are potentially at the five. I know he's not necessarily a rim protector, but neither is Malik Williams. I think that Withers, you know, shined as the five last season, and um, you know, a little bit of a rough transition playing alongside Malik as the four, and then you have a guy like Sam Williamson who plays bigger than he is at that six foot eight frame, and you're able to you know spread defenses out. Um, actually, I'm sorry, uh, switch Davis out for Matt Cross because I think when Matt Cross and Sam Williamson play together, it's just this weird mesh. Um, it's just just a beautiful sight on the basketball court how they're able to play against each other. Um, but overall, I, I think that this starting lineup is serviceable, but at the end of the day, if you wanted to tinker with it, I think you could make the change at the point guard position or the small forward position, or you could go a little smaller into the front court, but uh, switching over to the football side of things, which player or players worries you most about this Kentucky team? There are two of them. Number one, um, Chris Rodriguez, you know, Rodriguez has, you know, is, Honestly, in my opinion, the best running back that will play this year. I know that Sean Tucker and um, uh, Mateo Durant, the two uh, last opponents for the Cardinals, um, are maybe ahead of him statistically, but I think that that's more an ind- indication that there's more mouths to feed than that Kentucky offense. Cavassier Smoke is a very good secondary option, and then the Kentucky offense has really opened it up this season. And you have the other guy in Wondell Robinson who – 
in fact, frightens me. Um, you know, I could see this guy having an absolute field day, and that's not – I'm not bashing the Louisville secondary, although the passing defense has been a struggle for the Cards uh, this whole season. You know, without, um, you know, Kittrell Clark, you know, having a guy that can line up in the slot um, out wide, you know, getting him out in space and wide receiver screens, um, giving him jet sweeps, jet sweeps, handoffs, there's so many different ways that Liam Cohen has been using Wondell Robinson that you know, leads me to believe that he is going to be one player that Brian Brown looks up at the whiteboard and circles his name in bright red um, dry erase marker. You know, you have to focus on this game. You have to know where he is at all times because he is a player that, if you aren't careful, it's a house call. He can score from anywhere on the field very quick. Uh, not the biggest guy. I think he's about like 5'9 or something like that. Uh, but every time he touches, I mean, he's he's like a 2-2 at well. You know, you have to be able to game plan around him. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I don't think that there's anybody that jumps off the page defensively. Uh, and then offensively, uh, Will Levis is a solid quarterback. But um, Chris Rodriguez, Wondell Robinson are the players that scare me for this Louisville uh, I'm sorry for this Kentucky offense, but the final question of the day is: Does this two does the 2019 outcome? Hold on, what's that say? Does the does the 2019 outcome okay affect the way you view this contest? Um, yeah, very much so, and that because that's the last game they played. I know it's two years removed. They had an offense that was you know specifically designed or it wasn't specifically designed but it was perfectly designed to um really hurt the Louisville defense they had a, a running quarterback a wide receiver converted to quarterback that ran behind a great offensive line in an absolute monsoon 56 to 10 um it was 13 to 10 at halftime and then Kentucky just broke it open I think that Louisville has done a good job at addressing the depth at the offensive and defensive lines they've gotten better in both regards the defense has gotten better the offense is better I don't like I said I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any stretch of the imagination, but you also uh, you know it's that that game is the last time I saw these two teams play and you know the Kentucky you know in Kentucky in the trenches is still very solid. Um, they have a you know a solid offense. They have a good defense, and it, you know it's going to be a, it's going to be a dogfight. Louisville does have Uncle Mo on their side. The momentum is definitely in favor of the Cardinals. So we'll continue to talk about this matchup, but overall. Uh, we discussed why it's hard to gauge how good Kentucky is. Um, talked about areas of improvement needed to be seen for the Louisville basketball team as they approach a very challenging Thanksgiving week down in the Bahamas. And then we conducted the weekly Monday mailbag. Well, as I alluded to, there's going to be some special guests that haven't been on the show um, this week. Uh, Jeremy Wallman will be back on. Before we get out of here, I want to give a couple quick shout-outs. First to the Cardinal Sports Zone podcast. That episode dropped on Saturday talking about the Detroit Mercy game and this Kentucky matchup. You can find that at cardinalsportszone.com. Also want to give a shout-out to the Locked on Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis from Lee Sterling. You can find that on the Odyssey app or wherever you like to get your podcast. But as a whole, that's going to wrap up this Monday edition of the show. Everyone have a great start to your week. Talk, talk, you know, talk crap to some Kentucky friends, Kentucky family that you may have that cheer for the team down in Lexington. Go cards, but have a good rest of your day.